What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. What did we just watch right there? Fanta, give me your immediate immediate post-game reaction. Where are you at right now? How are you feeling? How, how, how was... How are you internalizing everything that we just watched on that basketball court? All-time stuff in every way, shape, and form. First off, you you tip your hat to UCLA because that's an all-time effort from the Bruins. They put everything together to pull this off tonight. In many ways, they deserve to win this game. I thought it was the perfect game plan. But a 19-year-old time and time again had the heart of a champion, Jalen Suggs should be drafted number one. (laughs) But because of the sequences we saw in this game, that is an all-time finish to an all-time game in the history of college basketball. And Gonzaga took a team's very best punch. And here they are now heading to the national title game still. We get the dream matchup on Monday between Gonzaga and Baylor. We got a dream finish tonight. An Easter kiss. To the title game. <laughs> Dave, oh, how you God. feeling, man? How you feeling? The game was insane. I'm not going to lie to you. I was uh, – initially, I was worried about UCLA. And, damn, was I wrong. I mean, they took a they took a nice little punch early in the game, and then the guys fought back. I mean, Tiger was great tonight. Um, Free Johnny was amazing. Uh, Jaime was amazing as well. Like, they, they played great, but – Damn, man. Like, Drew Timmy toward the end of the game and OT, great. Jalen Suggs was great. Cody Riley was awesome. Like, the game was like, no lie, it was like, a, it was just an amazing game to watch. It was, it was, that was so stressful. I, I, don't, I don't understand how those guys just played that game because I'm sitting here and I, I, have, no, I have no interest in the game. I'd be over, right? And like, that, that shit, what, I knew that was going over like five minutes into the game. So there was no sweat there. But I'm sitting here like biting my nails, like, holy shit, like, Bro. my heart's beating out of my chest. And, man, look, Fanta, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. First and foremost, before we talk about Gonzaga, because that's obvious, we have yeah. to give all the credit in the world to that performance from UCLA to go from the first Thanks. four to the final four, put in that fight this long into the event, not having Dacian Nix, not having Chris Smith, not having Jalen Hill, basically going with a five-man rotation. Those dudes left every single ounce of energy that they have in their body on that basketball court. Thanks. I have nothing but respect for them. Nothing but respect for the effort that they put in. That was awesome. You know, no, that was the, insane. the resilience of this team, they fall behind by five in this game. UCLA ran out of time. I've ever seen. Pat, I'm not going to fault you for saying that, and it is not uh, prisoner of the moment stuff. That is one of the greatest college basketball games ever, ever. It's what we deserve. It's what we've been waiting 13 months for after the hell that everybody's been through over the last year. How cool is it that we get that mm-hmm. on this stage? And if you're a UCLA Bruins fan, you're probably in tears right now. I understand that you're upset, but I got to tell you, your team was just part of an amazing run. And and I, what I what what this comes down to for me 
is Gonzaga goes up by four with a couple minutes left. Then in overtime, they go up five. I would have I would have lived with Andrew Nemhard pulling up for three and hitting that three to go up 90 to 85. And I'm sitting there thinking, what are you going to do if you're UCLA? You defended it as well as you could. And they didn't let Timmy get an easy basket. But then for UCLA to come back again, get within two, and then just the relentlessness of Hakez in the lane to say, Hakez and Juzang in this game to say, we are not letting our team lose. Those two, I mean, they've wrote their themselves into Bruin history with how relentless they were. And for UCLA just to tie the game and nearly force double overtime was incredible. So instant classic stuff. Guys, I got to tell you, Drew Timmy is a throwback player, but it works to perfection. And the show that he put on to start overtime was as smooth as his mustache. <laughs> it really was so good. I, I want to rewind a little bit, though, because it felt there were there were three or four moments in this game where it really felt like Gonzaga was about to put this thing to bed, right? When uh, the hook and hold on Cody Riley, um, that pushed it to six, and then like two possessions later, Joel Ayayi is coming down. He's got that little runner in the lane, and if he hits that, they go up nine, and that that might be, you know, that might end up being the end of it. Uh, but, but I mean, UCLA fought all the way back. They ended up taking the lead. They had a chance to win it down the stretch. Same thing in overtime. You know, they get it, that, that Nemhard three. You're exactly right, fan. I was like, well, that step back was amazing. This shit's over. Great effort, but this shit's over. And yeah, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like, to me, I kind of felt like Cody, anytime the ball great happen. Yeah. Yeah. Micron and I don't know if that was like done on purpose or not, but most of the time when Cody Wright touched the ball, he was either finding people on cuts or he was getting double teamed. And obviously, and and, and Jazang was the guy who was reaping the benefits off those double teams sometimes and getting wide open shots. Like they, I was just very impressed with how UCLA played, and it's tough that they ended up losing. But the way they, I mean, who they lost to and how how it like ended. I mean, great great game, man. Now hey. You know I was very impressed. I thought it, I thought it was going to be tough. You know who the big winner of the night is in all this? And we'll get to it. The big winner of the night is Scott Drew, who got to sit in his hotel room, get some film review in, hope he had a glass of wine or a brew. And Scott Drew, after a blowout where Baylor didn't have to – I mean, they, they, they didn't have to, to stress at all. They had no pressure on him. Baylor marched out of the title game, and they get to then watch – that game go 93-90, and Gonzaga have to really get pushed, really get pushed to the limit here. So, I mean, I just can't get over the tough shot making by UCLA in this game. How many tough twos did UCLA make in a sport where we always say, don't take the 15- to 17-foot shot? The Bruins were hitting them time and again. It, re- it really is amazing. I mean, you're, it's again. no joke, Finn. Yeah. Like, every one of those shots was like Deshaun Butler in his prime. Hitting, hitting little pull-up midis, you know? Like, that was okay. – I, I know you were loving that, man. I know you were loving it. Loved every bit of it. I loved it because this is what we, we talked about last time we had uh, we had talked. I mean, I would, my worry about UCLA was more or less when they don't get much out of their offense, they just give the ball to Zang and, and, and pray. And, damn, that was – it wasn't just a prayer today. Like, these guys were just – Absolutely on fire! Like it was, <laughs> it worked. That, today. That's what kept <laughs> it worked, and it was, it, it worked, and it was just impressive to see the just as far as like the array of shots they could make when the shot clock was going down. Like most of their points, like were 
like while the shot clock was going down, it was it was it was impressive for UCLA to me. Like I I was impressed with the the gapping that they were doing on Jalen Suggs early in the first half. Oh, yeah. oh, excuse me, throughout the first half in general, it made it very difficult for him to uh, score. They were doing great defensively, and then I mean they just they just stuck it out offensively and just didn't quit, and it, it was able to keep it a game. I mean, it's just the better team ended up winning today. Yeah, and and look, the the game plan that Mick Cronin drew up was exactly what we expected it to be, right? They took 25 seconds off the shot clock every single possession, right? Yes. They they got to the end of the clock, they found the matchup that they wanted, and they isolated it, whether it was Johnny Juzang being guarded by Jalen Suggs, whether it was um, Corey Kispert being guarded by – or I'm sorry, uh, Jaime Jaquez being guarded by Corey Kispert, or if it was Cody Riley trying to go one-on-one of the post against Drew Timmy. They found the matchup they wanted. They isolated it, and they let their dudes go one-on-one in that spot at the end of the shot clock and just trusted that they would be able to go make a shot, and they did. Defensively, they took away the middle. They dared Gonzaga to shoot jumpers over the top and beat them. They chased Corey Kispert up the three-point line, and they switched everything and said, look, you are not going to let it – you're not going to beat us with Drew Timmy post-ups. And it worked for until That's how they lost. Here's the thing about this game plan. To your point, Rob, they executed. They ex- UCLA executed their game plan perfectly, and Gonzaga scored 93 points. If this isn't the greatest offense of all time, I don't know what is. Tonight only validated that this is the best offense we've seen, at least in the modern history of college basketball. Seriously, UCLA was taking the shot clock down. They made Gonzaga work on every single possession of this game. I thought Gonzaga was tight at times, and they still put up 93 points. And if I would have told either of you before the game that Gonzaga's going to score 93 tonight, if I would have told anybody in here, you know what you would have said to me? You're crazy if you think UCLA is going to be in that game, if Gonzaga scores 93, there's no shot UCLA will be in the game. They were in the game. They kept on punching. And I was just going to say, I think Cody Riley just made another 16-foot pull-up. Gonzaga, I mean, unbelievable how many times he hit that shot. This is one of the greatest games ever. It might be the best game I've ever seen from, from just of start to finish, back and forth. It's impeccable. I cannot get over how much fun that was. That's, that's everything this tournament is about. Yeah, and the best part about it is that not only was it close and stressful and coming down to the final final seconds, but it was a very well-played game offensively, right? Like, we've seen some of these these close games. Like, Texas and uh, Abilene Christian was really close, but it was 53-52. That was the score of this game at halftime. Um, the the Michigan-UCLA game was a thriller, but, that, again, like, that was, that was in the 50s. Um, that we got a buzzer beater when UCLA played Alabama, but again, that wasn't the prettiest basketball game. That was all missed free throws and charges. So to get a game that was played at this high of a level on this stage between these two teams was just it was it was perfect. And and Day, I got a question for you, but before I do that, I just want to make one point that where we are right now in the trajectory of the Gonzaga basketball program is that. The last time that they were kind of in a situation like this, they were a 10 seed going up against UConn in the Elite Eight back in what year was that? 1999 when they first came on the scene. Um, and they had a very similar game to what we just watched them do against uh, against UCLA where they basically they were the underdog. They played pretty much perfect, um, and they ended up losing to the number one seed who, who, uh, who figured things out down the stretch. That was the year UConn won their first title. Um, fast forward to this year. We have UCLA as the underdog. And the 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 Cinderella against the Gonzaga team that's the juggernaut playing for an undefeated season, um, and 
they are the ones that end up prevailing and keep their undefeated season alive. It's just, I, I think looking at the arc of the Gonzaga program is, is pretty fantastic. But Dave, I want to ask you, you've been on a stage like this before. And you've hit game winners, not not in the Final Four, but you've hit game winners in the Big East tournament. You've hit game winners um, on national television. Like what? What is that moment like when Jalen Suggs hits that shot, sees that shot go in, and uh, and is celebrating? Like what is that? Take me through that moment. I'm not gonna lie to you. Just uh, I was very fortunate to have all most of my games were tied when I made my shots. So <laughs> like uh, just to see that, um, just see that shot go down and just. I really, it's hard to explain, man. It really is. You're obviously out there with your team trying to win a basketball game, trying to do the best you absolutely can, especially in this scenario, where it's like we're going home. And, man, he just knocked the damn shot down from where was that? Like, was it like inside a half? Was it? It was probably, it was probably was about 35. I don't think it was half court. Like, he was probably two steps in. Um, inside of it, and I, there were people that were so, yeah, like, in the chat about the yeah. fact that he banked it in. Like one guy said, a brick for a game winner. That's BS. But hey, look, man, it is what it is. Okay, that was great. That was great. By the way, this is how you know it was a good game. You got to go beer number two. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, Yo, how my about goodness. Mark Few? How about Mark Few? Like, uh, like we talked earlier about um, UCLA switching and making things difficult for him, and instead of just like swinging the ball around. And trying to find, I don't know what they find early in the. Just went directly to the miss at the end of the second half and in overtime, where Drew Timmy had the guard and they were like, "All right, fine, we're just gonna go to Drew Timmy and get the bucket." Like it took them almost like for to get to that, as opposed to like in the beginning of the game they were swinging the ball around and maybe and Joel Joel played great in the first half as well, but it just didn't seem like they were they wanted to. Uh, initially attacked that mismatch like because they had it early like they were switching the entire time yeah that that was a little bit strange i i don't understand i I think if you could have it back he would change that a little bit it seemed like what they were trying to do very early on was to try to get uh tiger campbell isolated in the post against joel ayayi or against andrew nemhard which i get but it's also like if your game plan is to go to your fourth or your fifth best option instead of going to one of your three All-Americans, like I feel like that's kind of um, not the greatest answer. But at the same time, like when you watch that, I don't think their issue was on the offensive end of the floor. Like they more or less got what they wanted whenever they wanted it, right? Yeah, my it, wasn't it wasn't that big a deal. Had, it, was 90, like, it was 93 to 90. It's hard to have many issues on the offensive end of the yeah, floor in a college right, yeah, right. like the, the thing was, they just, they just couldn't get stops against like UCLA's guys. And I honestly don't even know if it was like bad defense or just like UCLA made big shots, you know? Like, I I think it was a combination of both. I mean, Yakez at the four really did not help Corey Kispert out early in the game. No, he did not. He was like, like yeah, exactly. And it was, it was, I, I think it was more of a, a matchup scenario. And then, I mean, Gonzaga just figured a way, uh, figured a way to win the game. I mean, yeah. it was, it was suiting UCLA a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what's amazing, too? What's amazing about this game is that there was no depth present at all in this game. Uh, UCLA had six bench points. Gonzaga had a total of four. Like, these were two starting fives that played at such a high level. There were no holes in either five-man rotation. And the minutes load here is just crazy in this game. But it had everything. And I'll tell you, free throws ended up being crucial. You know, Gonzaga missed eight. They went 12-20 from the line. They're going to have to clean that up against Baylor. UCLA went 14-21. It, it, 
it just does not cease to amaze me of how good of the ball game this was. And anybody that's criticizing it, somebody said that that was not a well-played defensive game. I disagree with that. I thought both teams schemed very well, but I thought that that by the same token, both coaches found ways to get little wrinkles involved in the game to make changes. And you know what's also great? How many times, guys, has it become 1v1? Like this star's doing his thing, this star's doing his thing. Let's see who makes more plays. And sometimes one star does too much, and that's how the game ends. The other team loses. This game was, you know, Suggs throws a punch. Nemhart throws a punch. Juzang throws one. Hakez throws one. It, it just was so, so, so good. And if you're a college basketball fan or a casual sports fan, you can't watch that and not fall in love again, if you needed to, with this sport. It was beautiful in every way, shape, and form. And, I mean, I can't say enough about the efforts of these two teams on this type of stage in the season that's been as crappy as it's been. I only wonder what a full Lucas Oil Stadium would be like right now. Could you imagine (laughs) the streets of Indianapolis? There wouldn't be two beers. There'd be people on their 12th and 13th beers. It would be crazy. Can Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Yes, you can, so, Dave. You can ask me whatever you want. <laughs> Thank you, sir, so much. Um, <laughs> what if you're if you're Gonzaga? Excuse me. If you're Baylor, are you worried after watching this game, or are you? If you're Gonzaga, are you worried? Like, which one is do you think is more worried about who? Because before this game started, I'm not gonna lie. Watching, watching the first half of Baylor, and then watching the game, like you know, be kind of close early, and then Baylor flex, and then the game was over basically for the rest of the game. I was I would say Gonzaga had a lot to worry about, but then watching them put on that scoring display <laughs> and watching how everybody played, I was kind of like, wow, like maybe – I mean, if Baylor can make shots, of course they, they made shots all year. It, it'll be interesting, but I just wonder, like, who has the most to worry about. I'll submit – I'll just submit briefly and say, if Jared Butler plays to the level he did today – that has not been the Jared Butler we've seen before today. Yeah. Knowing Mitchell and Teague and the level they've been at, if Butler's playing at the All-American level we all know he can play at, then if I'm Gonzaga, we know if Gonzaga plays their A game, they're gonna. I still believe they'll win the national title. But Jared Butler kind of unleashed the layer we've almost been waiting for from Baylor. Yeah, he was amazing. Gonzaga, Gonzaga should be a little bit more worried heading into Monday. I think Baylor feels damn good about themselves. I would he- See, I, I don't even think it's – I don't think it's Butler as much as I think it was Jonathan Chamachachua. And here's yeah, why. He's not ish what, what, what Baylor loves to do is to put people in ball screens. And part of the reason why they're so effective at putting people in ball screens is because they have those four guards that can shoot, one of them being Jared Butler, an All-American point guard and playmaker out of ball screens, the other one being Davion Mitchell, a guy who I think should be a top-10 pick as a playmaker and coming out of ball screens. Uh, Macy O.T., another guy that's basically a point guard. Uh, Matthew Meyer, shot maker, right? Adam Flagler, the 40% three-point shooter. Like these, There's a reason why they shoot 42% from three and led the nation in three-point shooting. And what happens is they, they, they want to spread you out, right? They basically want to have two shooters on the weak side of the floor, a, a shooter in the corner, and a guy coming off a ball screen at the top of the key going to the right-hand side. And what happens is when you had Jonathan Chambachachua in there setting the screens the way that he was and rolling the way that he was and being as much of a threat – 
That's what opened everything up because all of a sudden Houston, their weak side taggers had to go hard over to, to Chama Chachua because he was like he had a 12 foot jumper. He had a dunk um, like he, he was he was playing fantastic. And the fact that he was such a threat offensively completely messed up everything that Houston was doing on the weak side of the ball. And that pass from the guy coming off the ball screen, hitting to the far side corner. I mean, Davion Mitchell made like two or three of them. Jared Butler made one of them. Jared Butler yeah. caught a th- uh, hit two threes off of it. Like that week, that, that skip pass is what was wide open. And once that got going, then then Houston didn't have a chance because you either had to tag to take away the dunk or you and you left a three-point shooter open or you gave Chamachacho a dunk. So like – Having Chamachacho that active, and look, he's not been good since they came out of the pause. Mm. I got a buddy who's a Baylor fan, and you, you know how his nickname is uh, is Everyday John. Everyday well, John. Yeah, he's been he's been calling him well any day now, John, since they came out of the pause because dude, he just hasn't been he's right. Not been, he hasn't been right. Yeah, that's true. He hasn't that been true. right, and he came back and unbelievable, man. Like just they were so good. Um, they were. The was so good. I'm just I'm so fired up. Like I'm so happy. I'm so happy this is back. Let me ask you guys a question. Um, Day, I don't know. I don't know if you saw these games because you might have been overseas. Uh, so maybe it's a better question for Fanta. But Fanta, for my money, this is one of the three best off the top of my head. It's one, and, and people in the chat tell me if, if if you got something better than this. But this is one of the three best games that I can remember seeing in the NCAA tournament ever. Okay. Uh, the 2016 national title game between yes. UNC and Villanova would obviously be up there. And then the 2008 Elite Eight game between uh, 2008 2019 Elite Eight game between Purdue and Virginia, the one where Carson Edwards went off for 42 points and hit 10 threes. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the Diakite shot at the end, like that that game. So for my money, those are the three best games I've ever seen. How would you rank those, Fanta? Wow. And wow. do you have anything? Do you have anything that's better than either of those three? Okay, so I was going to submit the Memphis Kansas National Championship game. I forget what year that was. Um, 2000, is that talking about like seven, eight? 2008, 2008. 2008. Yeah, Derrick Rose and Chalmers, I want to say. or yeah, I'm, almost hit the shot to tie. Yeah, yeah. Yep, you're right, you're right. That's tied the game. That was an exceptional national championship game. Uh, you know, we forget. We actually kind of forget the fact that the last national championship game played in this sport went to overtime and was a wild game between Virginia and Texas Tech. But – it kind of gets lost because it was a rock fight. But by the same token, how would I rank those games? Hold on, hold on. Let me just stop you real quick. It wasn't a rock fight. For the first, like, eight minutes, it was a oh, rock fight. And I remember everybody was like, this is the worst college basketball game I've ever seen. And then it ended up being 75 to 75 on, like, 65 possessions. Like, the shot making down right. the stretch of that game right. was unbelievable. Right. I'm sorry, Fanta. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, you're right. And you know what? I'm guilty. I just call it a rock fight, and you you reminded me of the shot making. It was beautiful down the stretch. Now, let's go back to it. You asked me to rank those three, Rob, correct? I'll rank those three. I will still maintain that a buzzer beater for the ship is number one. You can't have that type of moment. And here's why. Marcus Page hit a shot that was truly absurd. Absurd. It wasn't like a lay-in um, like UCLA hit to tie the game at 90. Marcus Page hit an absolute prayer, double-clutch, like leg to the floor type of shot that any one of not you, Deshaun, that, that <laughs> and then you and then Nova has to answer that with Carolina fans throwing seat cushions and the shot and the confetti guy being literally on cue like it was a Hollywood script. That's number one. Number two for me is this game, and number three would be the the Carson Edwards Diakite game. 
there are others. I thought Florida, Wisconsin a couple years back at Madison Square Garden was an unconsciously good college basketball game. But my Lord, my Lord, tonight is gonna it's gonna live here forever. Forever. I'm never gonna forget this. This like go submit the ticket now for Jalen Suggs. He's 19 freaking years old. He is 19 years old. I want him, I want him on my team. Give me Jalen Suggs, baby. Big moment for Jalen Suggs tonight, man. Big moment. That was amazing. We haven't talked about it. Deshaun, what were you thinking when Jalen Suggs leaps into the air and blocks that shot and then goes like Bruh, this? The That was the play of the game to me. Blocks the shot with the left hand. Court makes the dime to Drew Timmy. Right, bounce pass across the court. Yeah, it, it was uh, – I'm not going to lie to you. I – that was just like number one picture that I saw today. Like, yeah, because well, like, here's, here's the crazy thing about it. Like, he's the number one pick. Yeah, you in have sense, it, In a sense, he's the number one pick. And it was it was blatant. It is blatant today. Like, he he he's a gamer. <laughs> he stepped up. He was big. I can never say anything negative about the young man. He went out there and played his ass off today. The the best thing about that shot is literally right before it, like for, for – I was texting everybody. Like I, I was like, "What the fuck is Jalen Suggs doing? Leaving Johnny Juzang, who like the strong side." Deshaun, you're a coach, so back me up on this. If you have a guy on your team, right, and you're going up against a guy that hasn't missed a shot in six weeks, like Johnny Juzang, he throws the entry pass into the post. The dude guarding Johnny Juzang turns around and goes and doubles from the strong side, right, like that, and they kick it back out to Johnny Juzang, who hits a three. What are you doing to that guy that that went to double? He's never he's, – he's done, right? Not only is he getting benched for the rest of this game, he's getting benched for the next game and the game after that and the game after that. Like, you don't do that. What the hell are you doing, Jalen? Especially said, if that's not the practice, especially if that's not yeah. what we practiced and stuff like that, which I, I'm sure Few wasn't practicing that. Too much. <laughs> I guarantee Mark Few did not tell his team to ever double off the strong side when it's Johnny Juzang making an entry pass. But the and thing is that happened so much, I wondered. I wondered if that was the, the, the scout report. That happened a lot for Johnny Juzang during this game. Bro. Like, he got <laughs> a lot of just stepped-in threes. From from the post because guys just decided to double strong side. It makes no sense. I, I'll yeah. never understand it. I will never understand it. Oh, um, man. Oh, <laughs> so we, hey, we just had a comment a question, Fanta. Um, someone wants to know if you're taking over for uh, Bill De Blasio of Mayor of New York City. When's this happening? <laughs> Pizza for everybody. Pizza for everybody across New York City. Uh, I am officially submitting that I am running for mayor of NYC, and we are going to beat Jeff Goodman. Hey, hey, I got a stat for you. Are you ready for this? Not I got yet. a stat for you. Okay, give it to us, baby. I got a stat for you. There have only been two people in NCAA tournament history that have hit game-winning buzzer beaters that were deeper than the shot that Jalen Suggs hit tonight. U.S. Reed uh, for, I believe it was Arkansas, um, and Paul Jesperson. Yes, for uh, Northern uh, Iowa. Yep. And by the way, for anybody listening, if you go back and listen to our 68 Shining Moments series, we have full interviews with both of those guys. We talked for 20 minutes about those shots with U.S. Reed and Paul Jefferson. So you should go uh, go listen to that. So this was the third longest shot ever hit that was a game winner in the NCAA tournament. And, oh, it just so happened to come in overtime in the Final Four to save an undefeated season. Just 
I can't I can't believe it. I honestly cannot believe that that we just saw that. I'm I'm still fired up, guys. Like I'm still ready to go. I'm loose. I'm sweating a little bit. You know what? I can go out there. And I can take 25 minutes playing a little bit of pack line. Look, we can't run like Gonzaga runs because I'm I'm not in good enough shape to do that. But if you want to let me play a little pack line, you want to let me get out there, space the floor, knock down some jumpers. I'm good to go. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. But hey, look. Okay. Okay. No. Hey. Guys. Hey. Day, the game is running fire. Are going. <laughs> oh my! God. And just how good are hey. how are Nance, Raftery, and Hill? They are just—I mean, Raft is the best, always the best. Raft they is the man. Yeah, it's the best, and you know it, Deshaun. You've talked to Raft so many times before, like your big West Virginia games. Could you imagine Raft and Huggins at a bar together? Holy cow! Uh-huh. Uh huh. I couldn't imagine. Actually, <laughs> I feel like Raft is such a. You have a good rap story. Raff would be awesome at a bar. Nah, 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 I don't have too many. I don't have too many rap stories. All I, all I have is uh, when I was in college, we had uh, some media stuff to do. Me, Joe Mazzula, who's the assistant coach with the with the Celtics, and uh, another one of our teammates, and we had to do uh, some interview stuff with Bill Raff and um, and Jay Billis, and uh, and literally, I lie not, I was like, I I was kind of nervous. And then getting a chance to meet them, those guys were like extremely chill. Like they were busting our balls and just making jokes. And we got to make some jokes with them. And we just had a good time. So, like, that was my first time just seeing Raph and seeing how cool he was and how uh, easygoing he is, man. He's such a, he's such a nice guy, man. So, I, I, don't, I don't have any, uh, any great Bill Raftery stories. Like, we've never hung out of the bar um, all late night. And, like, we've only met each other in passing. Um, but I will say this. The in the one of the first Final Fours that I ever went to. This was probably about 2011 or so. I remember I was at the hotel bar at the Marriott, whatever Marriott we were staying at. I think it was it wasn't in Houston because they didn't put us in a Marriott in Houston. Where was the final? 2012 was that it? Was that New Orleans? No, so it definitely wasn't New Orleans. Wherever it was, anyway. So I'm at the I'm at the media hotel. It's the Marriott bar and it's late night and we're closing it down. And they kick it, they're kicking everybody out. They're turning the lights on the sand. Everybody's got to go. It's like three o'clock in the morning. Then they're like, Yeah, I just got a beer. Like, yeah, you can take your beer with you. So I'm walking out. I got my beer in hand. Um, and I'm walking out, and Bill Raftery walks in. I'm like, Hey, man, they just closed the bar. And he, he walks by. And he's just like, Not for me, they don't. <laughs> I was like, What a fucking legend. Oh man, I've never been that good for anything in my life. He just walked. He he owned the bar. Not for me. They don't. They don't. That's you, buddy. That's awesome. You know, never punch out that cool. I got a story like that. I was at an event in Providence a couple years ago, and uh, Raft is there, and there's a bunch of people there, and uh, the the hotel basically says, "Hey, we're closing up shop." It's like a. It was a weeknight too. Like this is not even a Friday or Saturday night. And in Providence, Rhode Island, downtown Providence, the town shuts down on a weeknight at 1030. Like, they're not going past that, much past that. And Raph, um, he he does something behind the bar. He takes a little walk to a bartender, gets in the ear of the bartender, and next thing you know, this guy bought everybody an extra 90 minutes at that, at that establishment. I have never seen a more elated bar, and it's all because of Raph. And Raph just loves – to have a good freaking time. So to your point, Rob, nobody, nobody closes for Bill Raftery, nor should they, because he's good <laughs> for business. He's good for everybody. And you're right. The 2012 Final Four is where it will be next year in New Orleans 
Could you imagine Bourbon Street had they just watched the game that we just all watched? Could you imagine Bourbon Street after this game? Like, I just Let cannot get over Like, this, this is the type of game that leaves you all buzzing for hours. I'm going to have trouble going to sleep tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, there's a couple questions in the chat I just wanted to mention. One guy asked, is Jay Billis a good guy? Yes, I've never had a bad interaction with Jay Billis. He's very, very nice, very friendly with his time. And when I was still doing, like, independent stuff, right at the peak of his, like, young Jeezy tweeting when he was, like, the one of the biggest personalities ever, um, he was willing to come on a podcast that I ran for Ballin' as a Habit. He came on a Ballin' as a Habit podcast. So I like Jay. Um, there's also – we have questions about John Rothstein. That John – I don't think you'll find a single person that will say a negative thing about John Rothstein, the human being. John Rothstein, the Twitter account, like, I mean, he's got to do what he's got to do to make a living. I, I can't hate on him for for what he the way he does his job. But John Rothstein, the human being, I, I challenge you to find somebody that thinks John Rothstein, the human being, is a bad person. There's not a negative thing about him. No, he's, a- he's a good guy. John's not a very good much man. Tip, uh, A lesson to everybody watching this. The best people in this industry – are the are people that are not only great at their jobs. There's plenty of people who are good broadcasters or good writers or good journalists. Mm-hmm. They are they are genuinely down to earth people, just like you two guys are. And it's always a pleasure to work with you. And I'm not just saying that. I it, don't know if Deshaun's down to earth, man. He's a little he's a little uh, cocky. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Once in a while, stop, <laughs> stop, stop spreading half room. Right. Stop spreading half so rumors about I got a tweet from somebody just now. After this game, this this tells you um, how how Twitter is because there's always somebody. There's always that guy. Here we go. Here we go. This is a guy, a guy named Rick H. Rick's Twitter account is at hide H Y D E cable car H Y D E cable car. Rick has tweeted at me. The NCAA men's basketball tournament is the most overrated event in American sports. And each piled on unnecessary platitude about it proves that point. Okay, hold on a second. Mm, Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, Rick. <laughs> Rick, you need to Rick, you need to be in church tomorrow at 8 a.m. <laughs> I want you in a church at 8 a.m. tomorrow and you pray. You get on your knees and you pray to God for the sin you just committed. How dare you! Question the NCAA tournament after that instant classic we just lost. Have a happy Easter, and you better be watching Monday night because if you aren't, get out. Get out. I have no time for you, Rick. Just got scolded by Fanta, Rick. You just got scolded. Oh, man. This is where where we are right now. This is where we are in life. This is where we are. (laughs) I love Fanta's energy right now, by you. I love love Fanta's energy. Unmatched. Take yourself to church, young man. Do not say that at our faces. <laughs> what, guys, what holds a candle to that? What event in American sports? Nothing. Nothing. Because here, here's the thing about the NCAA tournament that makes it so great is you have 67 games that are game sevens, right? Like, I, I love the NBA playoffs. I love the trying to figure out what coaches are going to do to change certain matches. I love the seven-game series and, and the fact that you're almost always going to have the best team winning, right? I love uh, watching like the adjustments that teams make and and the little tweaks that they make from game to game to game, and 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 who are the coaches that can find like just little little edges and little inefficiencies that they can exploit to be able to win a game and get themselves to like a game six or a game seven. But at the end of the day, like 
for the most part, we know who's going to win the NBA games and we know who's going to get to the finals. And we're just waiting to see that one matchup between like, I don't know, like the, the Lakers in Brooklyn or um, the Warriors and the Cavs, whatever it is. We're just waiting to get to that final series. And in the NCAA tournament, like I, I, it's never going to be the same quality of basketball as the NBA is. But if you can embrace it for the fact that it's like the the drama is unbelievable, you have kids that are playing for like their school and the fact that this might be the last time that they ever play, if you can embrace the storylines of the underdogs – um, and, and and things like that and, and and understand that like every single game is a game seven it, it, there's there's nothing like it and I, I just I don't yeah. understand the people yeah, that can, right it's not like look the NBA is awesome the level of play in the NBA is unbelievable the talent that we have in the NBA today is unlike anything that we've ever seen I don't like the greats other than like maybe Shaq and and, and Scotty like there's there's a handful of greats that would be stars in today's NBA but a lot of guys wouldn't be able to do it because the level of play is so unbelievable. That said, the event and the theater that we get out of the NCAA tournament is unmatched by anything in sports on this planet. And I'll I'll I'll, I'll die if if I need to like if I need to stand on a hill and die on a hill, that's the hill that I'm going to die on. There's no theater that's better than the NCAA tournament. It's not the greatest sport. It's not the greatest gameplay. Maybe it's not the best product. Maybe there's too many timeouts. There's too many motherfucking charges, and it drives me crazy. But the drama and the theater and the show is there. There is nothing like it now. Too many charges for sure. The actors and the stars can be properly compensated for their efforts. Then maybe we'll get to a point where it's a perfect product. It's not perfect yet. Too many charges and too, too many, many amateurs. We're almost there. Charges. We're almost there. So what do you let me let's let's talk about that charge at the end of the. Uh, I was going to say, in college basketball, I will always I'll die on this hill too. Never advance the ball because with with by taking it the full court, you get moments like this. And you know what? Even if he didn't make the shot, we would have gotten five more minutes of this stuff. I'm all in favor of having to take the ball the length of the court. I know there's some people who think I'm an idiot and who want to advance the ball in a timeout. You would have never had Chris Jenkins, and you surely wouldn't have had Jalen Suggs tonight. Give me full court basketball. If, if Even if you call a timeout, you got to inbound your backcourt. You got to earn it. I don't like advancing the ball. I know I might be a clown, but I love the full court action, and I'm always going to be for it. It's provided moments like this one. Yeah, the moment was dope, and that if a timeout was called for that to it would have took away from the entire moment. So, yeah, I'm with you. Hey, sure. shout out to Dixon Harris. He's the biggest Zags fan. Jamie knows. Shout out to you, Dixon. The Zags are going to the national title game, one away from 32 and 0. Do we have a line? From Bet River Sportsbook for the Gonzaga Baylor Championship game. Do yes, we yes, we do. From Bet Rivers. How about this? Are you ready for this? I, I want, I want to, I want to guess on what the the line is. What do you guys think Jeez. the line? I I'm gonna guess Gonzaga. Chat, throw it up in the chat too if you got it. What do you got? Okay, my guess is Gonzaga minus three and a half. Day, I got Baylor minus five. Baylor minus five is what you think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's the other way. It's uh, it's oh, Gonzaga four and a half. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that's the other way. See, I'm off. I didn't know. I was guessing. <laughs> Completely guessing. Yeah, you had it backwards. You had it backwards. backwards. It's, uh, All right, cool. cool Red cool, Rivers cool. right now has it at Gonzaga minus four and a half. Um, and the total? How about this? The total is one sixty. One sixty. Oh, I like the over. That's high. 
That's how I'm going to bet. I'm going to bet the. You have to bet the over when you see. You have to bet the over. Um, I do want to ask you guys though. So, I saw, I saw a lot of people, um, kind of ranting and raving about the charge call at the end. Drew Timmy, um, when he took the charge against Johnny Juzang. How do you guys feel about that? Because I, I, I have an opinion. And I can go on a rant on this, but I want to, I want to give you guys the floor first because I feel like I've been ranting a lot on this. So, um, Dave, why don't you start? Did you think that was a charge? Do you have a problem with the call? Was it the right play? Where are you at on that? Uh, it was nothing other there was nothing else the referee could have called i mean if he had not called it it would have been it was too much contact to not make a call and it wasn't a block because he was there he waited for him and he made he made he made the case of waiting for him like extremely far outside of the charge circle so he had enough time uh, just had enough time to get the ball out of his hands he didn't kind of like lowered his shoulder a little bit toward the end and it might not have been like the absolute best charge call but it was a charge yeah, I agree. Um, I saw some people saying that complaining about how we have too many charges in college basketball and how it was the wrong call and this, that, and the third. And they're like, look, we have too many charges in college basketball, but I'm not going to complain about the one where Drew Timmy is standing there for like a full two seconds, two seconds and yeah. he like just runs right into him. Right. Yeah. There's the issue with the charge call is when the help defender can slide underneath and take somebody like somebody's legs out and make it dangerous. And I don't think that this was that play. I don't like at all. I don't, I don't even think it was like, I've seen so many, I, man. I've seen so many other charges that have been called on the side of people. And that one was a clear charge to me. I mean, regardless of what anybody else said, I mean, just watching the play, he stood there for a legit two or three seconds before he ran him over. Even yeah. if he tried to step sidestep him, it didn't matter. Like he still got him with his shoulder. Yeah. It's and a it, was a, it was a charge. Like, it's a charge. What I don't understand is, is why you have Johnny Juzang, king of the mid-range, right? King of the mid-range. He hasn't missed a mid-range shot since 2020, right? Why don't you pull up from eight feet right there? You got you got, you got got Suggs on your hip, right? Seven. Why don't you just pull up from the mid-range, hit a little eight-foot floater right there, right? That's why you got that in your game. That's why you got the midi in your package, day. Eh? Man. He and didn't want to use your shot. Anything like Deshaun Butler, you're going to pull up with that shot. You're going to double clutch. You're going to throw all the way in the air. It's going to hit the front of the rim. It's going to hit the top of the backboard. And it's going to bounce in because that's how you touch. do your game winners, right? That dude, that dude couldn't get on the floor at Kentucky. <laughs> right? Insane. Right? What? Insane. Sorry. Come on, man. Like, come on, man. This is. I'm just telling you right now, like, like, uh, it, it, if there's anything that this sport's teaching us right now, blue blood's got to adapt, man. You know, Duke's got some some things to work on. Kentucky surely does. UNC's going to get a new coach, man. But by, but you know what the conclusion is? My conclusion tonight, in addition to everything, if you were wondering before tonight if this UCLA run was sort of fluky or a one hit wonder, it's not. UCLA is back. Yeah, that was a good team. Done a great job. I think it's. I think a lot of it is going to depend on who stays and who goes for them, because I think that I think that both Juzang and Hakez played their way into the at the very least the NBA draft conversation. Like I, I think Hakez is a surefire NBA player. I don't know if he's a guy that would be drafted this year if he came out. I think Johnny Juzang is the kind of shot maker that you look for in the NBA. I don't know if he does enough of the other stuff well enough to be able to to survive in the league, but 
When you got a guy that can shoot like that and that can create out of isolation like that and against closeouts like that, at that size, I think he's a guy that can play in the NBA. No, um, for sure. So the question is going to be, do they do they come back? Because if they come back, right, and you and you let this team run it back, because I mean, do, do they have a senior? I think Cody Riley's a senior, right? And then that's yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, if they if they run if they run it back with the squad like that, I'm taking a look right now. That, that's, I mean, that that's really a good team. really good team. Yeah, that could be a good team because they already have that that chemistry toward the end of the season to build on for for next year. Like that'd be one of the harder teams to run in run into. They only yeah. have one senior. You're right, and and you know what? It's uh, Chris Smith who went down. Cody oh. Riley's a junior. He's really? only how is Cody Riley yeah. only? I, I maybe he comes back. I'm not gonna remember lie. hearing about that kid when he was like a freshman from people on the West Coast. But if like Cody Riley and Mark Vital both feel like they've been in school for 87 years, right? Like I'm Cody Riley's a bucket, no, no like I'm I'm pretty sure that Mark Vital like was a freshman the same year that Anthony Davis was a freshman. I'm I'm just laughing at Basil who just who like Rob Bowster, only you would you would definitely appreciate this. Oh, I saw it. UCLA is back. I don't know. Can we flash that up? This is uh, so yeah, we'll hell yeah, we'll flash it. That's my guy Basil. That's because, my guy right there. Because of course, because of freaking course. Yeah. There is not, not <laughs> Who screenshotted that? Who screenshotted that? Was that you, Fanta? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. um, uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's come back. Anybody could come back because this was a free year. But yeah, they don't have a senior. Um, all right. So let's talk about uh Let's talk. Oh yeah, that's right. He was the guy that stole the shit with LiAngelo, didn't he? Yes. China. That's right. He's grown up though. Look, he's grown up, man. He's grown up. He's looks, grown up. looks like it. Looks like yeah. He's grown up. He's grown up. Give him credit because he's grown up. Um. All right, Finn, I'm going to tweet that picture of you with the, the glasses down. Screen, screen, oh, yeah. screen. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. Mark Mark just said UCLA played the best they could possibly play. They lose ten out of ten times to Gonzaga. They lucked out the whole game. They did not luck out. You don't play that type of game and find yourself lucky. And the whole run wasn't lucky. Get out of here with that. It's, I hate that take when people are like, they got lucky. Well, look, basketball's a make or miss and sometimes a lucky game. UCLA wasn't lucky tonight. They put together uh-huh. every piece they could have. They went punch for punch with one of the great teams in college basketball history. Don't talk to me about luck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was no luck involved with this. That was a great game. Right. They had a hard time guarding friggin' Tiger and Jacques and all. They couldn't guard any of them. It was it was very difficult for them to stay in front of them. So it was nothing to do with luck. It was they were getting buckets. They scored ninety points. Yeah, that was a that was a great basketball <laughs> game. That, that was an incredibly well played basketball game by both of the teams um, that were that 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 played it. All right, so let's 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 talk about this. Uh, this national title game because this is the game we all wanted, man. Like that that's the best part about this is that not only did we have this unbelievable game in the final four, but it means that we still have a shot at, at getting an undefeated national champion. And we still get Gonzaga Baylor, which is what we've all been pining for since like the second week of the season. We've been waiting four months for this four months and we got it. It's here. We're ready to go. So uh, Dave, why don't you start off? Um, what do you think is going to be the key to this matchup? And what are you looking forward to the most out of this game? Looking forward to the most, I would say, I wonder how Baylor's going to get any interior scoring. Unlike uh, UCLA, I mean, Cody Riley was like so dominant that they had to double him. 
I don't see that being the case for anybody on Baylor being double team. The thing I would say that Baylor has in this advantage is that the the way the bench played today, where the guys came off the bench and just got instant buckets once they stepped into the game, is kind of something I feel they'd have the advantage over Gonzaga with. Now, Gonzaga's bench, bench is, is definitely good, but Baylor is just – I kind of feel like they're a little too deep. They shoot the ball very well from the perimeter. They're going to get – their guards are going to get into Gonzaga's guards, similar to how, how Suggs gets into other guards. The Suggs is going to have it done to him a little bit this game because I, I can't foresee that they put anybody else on Suggs except for uh, – Except for Davion Mitchell, like, I don't foresee it, anybody else guarding him, and I just think it'll be a lot for Gonzaga. That's going to be, by the way. That's going to be a lot. Oh, I can't be a lot of fun, man. I'm excited, like just to to see those because we talked about this before. Like Davion Mitchell is like extremely strong and explosive, but like just watching Suggs just like jump right out of us, like from a standstill to like bearing, like heading downhill is like I don't even I can't even explain it. He's just a sick athlete. Like Suggs yeah. is an amazing athlete, so I can't I mean, wait to see what that looks like. Neither of them are human. I'm, I'm going to have to see birth certificates to to prove that both <laughs> of those guys are are, are human beings. How athletic they are. Um, all right, Fanta. What is what's the key matchup in this game, um, and and, uh, and and how do you see that that matchup playing out? Okay, I will give you my key matchup, and then I'm going to send everybody through a brick wall. My key matchup. Is Jonathan Shamwa Chachua against Drew Timmy. I'm going to spring off Rob's point, and I'm going to bring it up here. Shamwa Chachua's physicality and his ability to make Houston's defensive scheme really get thrown off, opening up weak side shooters. We all know that the guards in this game for Gonzaga and, and Baylor are going to be able to negate each other to a degree. But the biggest question in this tournament has been, can anybody – on God's green earth, find an answer for the man with the mustache, Drew Timmy. And for 40 minutes tonight, UCLA did a fairly good job of it. But at the start of overtime, Mark Few said, we're going to switch or we're going to make you keep switching and we're going to get Timmy on an island with either Hawkes or Juzang or somebody that's in a mismatch on him. Well, you know what? It ended up working. He used footwork. He used technique. But Chamwa Chachua can be the guy that establishes the physicality of this game and makes it Baylor's game physically. He has got to stay out of foul trouble. They're going to need him to play big minutes. They're going to need him to really lock up on Timmy and lock up on Gonzaga on the interior. That is my key matchup. But right now I'm going to have everybody get ready to run through a brick wall, and here is why. Gonzaga, Baylor, Monday night, Indianapolis. This is the first time since 2005 that the top two seeds in the NCAA tournament will meet in the title game. Last time, it was North Carolina and Illinois. And it is the first time since 2001. 2001. It's been 20 years since we have had the top two teams in the preseason poll meet for the championship. These two teams, over the last two years, are a combined 115 wins to eight losses. 115 and eight. Mm. This is Ali Frazier. This <laughs> is for the ages. Zag, 
Monday, get your wings, grab your beer. This is college basketball <laughs> on the biggest of stages for a national champion. <laughs> I'm ready, Phantom. Let's go. go. I'm so fired up, man. I cannot wait. Oh, oh, I'm fired up. Gonzaga Taylor Monday night. No, that's going to be an amazing game. Oh, Fanta. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How do I follow it up? I love it. How do I follow it up, Fanta? Fanta. Mic drop, we, we for real. Mic drop. Oh, Sam, you missed it. You missed it, man. You missed it. Fanta's shirt almost came off. Oh, he had us ready to run through a wall. <laughs> I, I got some I got some real questions. Um, how? <laughs> Why? <laughs> what? Like, what, what happened here, Fanta? I just got so excited about this, Sam. What a game. It's everything the tournament is about, man. I'm, I was jumping. I'm sure we all were jumping. I, I still cannot believe what we just watched. Like, we are an hour after this epic title game, or epic, it felt like a title game, epic Final Four game. And just the back and forth nature of this. Pete, I'm sorry, wants me to leave me. Thanks to you, Pete. We can go to counseling together. Yeah, just, just when we thought Fender was a great guy, he's out here breaking up marriages. <laughs> Jeez. On Easter Sunday. On Easter Sunday of all days. Easter Sunday, breaking up marriages. Yeah, what, what is Sam Vassani's instant reaction to this? Oh, I mean, I like jumped up off the couch and like screamed Jalen Sugg's name. It was unbelievable. Like, I, I think that that is the best tournament game i've ever seen like I, I was i was sitting like right in front of chris jenkins courtside like right when he hit the shot right to beat north carolina i thought that that would never be topped like I, just in terms of my reaction but holy shit just the, it was from top to bottom like the game was just unbelievable how efficient both teams were i mean like north carolina ucla kept hitting just fucking bullshit mid-range contested shots like it was their job i mean it was unbelievable it was an incredible game i, I i'm stunned by what we just saw it was great it was, it was awesome like that, that was the best the best theater and the best drama that i can remember for a game in a long time um i would put 2019 uh virginia against um purdue in that same conversation the one when carson edwards went for like 700 points and mommy d keep they had that shot at the buzzer and uh, Virginia somehow in a game that they never really led in, in regulation found a way to cover in overtime. Still bitter about that one, by the way, FYI. Um, so, Sam, we, uh, we we were just kind of rolling through this. Talk me through a little bit what you see from this national title game. What do you think the key matchup is going to be? How do you think this ends up playing out? Uh, and and where do you think um, – you know how do you think it ends up – who wins? Yeah, this is kind of a sneaky thing that I've been thinking about just like in the last hour or so since it ended. But Baylor over the last two games against Arkansas and against Houston today got the two best games that they've gotten from Everyday John. Basically, that since what, early December, you know, maybe early January, since like the Everyday John profiles were being written and everyone was super fucking excited or whatever, right? Um, He's been, like, not great since then, but over the last two games, he's been really, really good, and that's incredibly important for them is they set up to match up against Drew Timmy inside. Yeah, no, I, we, we talked about that and the importance of um, slowing down Timmy. I, I really thought that 
the way and Sam, you made this point on uh, on Twitter too. I saw that um, the way that they were able to use John to kind of open up shooters, um, yeah. like with his roles of the basket, like that changes everything for what they want to do. Because like Flo Thamba, he has a great name, but he's just kind of a like a, he's just a guy out there, right? Like he's not really a threat. Yeah. And Mark Vital, as good as he is defensively, if you have him being someone that that is kind of the guy making plays for you at the five, like that's kind of what you want a little bit as, as a defense. Right. And I, but I just think like when you have a dude, he's so energetic, he runs so hard uh, every day, John. Um, and he's he, like, he, no one's going to jump at him. You give him, you give him a lane. No one's going to jump at him at the rim. So I, I just think that when he's playing the way that he did today, it changes everything for what they're looking for. Well, the big thing is too, that we're going to get this Jalen Suggs, Davion Mitchell matchup. Right. And oh, yeah. everyone's really pumped about seeing, Davion try to shut down Jalen Suggs on the offensive end. I'm actually really pumped about the other side of the floor because Jalen Suggs, I mean, we saw it today against Johnny Juzang. We saw it uh, in their previous game. Jalen Suggs, when he's engaged and really wants to shut you down on defense, he's a really good on-ball defender. And if he can shut down Davion Mitchell and kind of close off some of those passing lanes for Mitchell and stop him from you know, getting those clean looks that he got today because Houston's defense was just way over aggressive. That cross corner kickout was there every single time for Davion Mitchell. I just don't see as much of a, as much open space for Baylor to be able to uh, dominate in the way that he did for uh, from a shooting perspective. Today. When you say shut down, what do you mean? Because I mean Johnny Juzang didn't. I don't think he got shut down today. Well, they put him or, on him in the second half. They, the and second he really half, I mean, slowed him down in the second half. Yeah, he definitely, he definitely had his part of slowing him down. But I just look at him as a, as a whole of shutting them down for the entirety of the game. And then I look back at the Creighton game as well with the shutting down. I mean, they they beat the brakes off of Creighton, but still, like the shutting down, I kind of feel like initially it takes Suggs a little bit longer to get accustomed to the guard he's he's guarding. Like he picks it up and he finds what he needs to do later on as the game goes along. But early on, I mean, these point guards actually start torching. They just get worn down, I kind of think, more or less. With it. Well, they, they started him on Tiger today, and I thought he did a pretty yeah. good job early on Tiger, too. Um, but the thing for me is he doesn't really even need to shut down Davion Mitchell. He just needs to cut off the passing lanes, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. He needs to be able to get back in front, fight through the screen, and just make himself big so that that cross-quarter kick isn't necessarily there. So it's as easy, off. yeah to everyday John isn't there. So I, that's what I mean by shut down. But like, uh-huh. yeah, like I don't think anybody's going to shut down Davion Mitchell. I think it's, he's just got to close off certain angles so that he can't take as big of an advantage as a passer. Yeah. And then the other thing is this, like to your point about keeping the passing lanes from, from opening up for Baylor, the reason why Baylor has looked as sharp as they, as they have here the last couple of games, you talk about everyday John, but how about the fact that entering this game today, Jared Butler had been 6-for-24 from beyond the three-point arc on the NCAA tournament, and he starts 5-of-6. It's a make-or-miss game. Uh, I I know that that's simplified, but you know what? Those those passes are coming from Davion. They've got to be completed with Macy Oteek, who's hit shots. But Jared Butler, if that Jared Butler is going on Monday, we we don't talk about him off the top because of how impressive Jalen Suggs has been and how dominant Drew Timmy has been. But can we talk a little bit more about Joel Ayayi and just how mm-hmm. good he's 
tournament. I know maybe he's not the playmaker that a Jalen Suggs is, but you know what? In order to be the beneficiary, you better knock down shots time and time again. And Joel Ayayi from the start of the Creighton game to tonight and Nemhard, like for me, where this game gets decided potentially by numbers and just in nature is if those passing lanes are open for either Suggs uh, or Mitchell – are the beneficiaries of those passing lanes, Macy Oteague and Jared Butler for Baylor, Joel Iyai and Andrew Nemhard for Gonzaga, are they knocking down perimeter shots? Because if they are, both offenses turn from where they are to even another level. And Ayayi, to me, has been such a constant in the scoring column. You could have great playmakers, but remember we were watching Cade Cunningham march Oklahoma State up and down, and nobody is helping this guy out. For me, Ayayi is the ultimate, hey, I am going to cash in on you, Jalen Suggs or Andrew Nemhard, and I'm going to hit this big-time shot. And he's hit them time and time again in this tournament. Sure, yeah. The yeah. First, like, he had 13 out of 23 at their points initially. Like, he was – and without a miss. <laughs> he was he was phenomenal to start the game off today. Yeah, he started 7-for-7, seven seven, I think it was. It was unbelievable. Um, crazy. Yeah, the, the thing for me, I, I didn't really notice what Gonzaga was doing in terms of how hard they were tagging onto rollers versus how hard they were uh, staying attached to shooters for UCLA in this game. Like to me, that's like the number one thing. Like, are we going to get situations where Jalen Suggs is going to like, you know, decide to double team someone in the post like he did at the end of this game, giving Jaime Jaquez, if I remember, was it Jaquez or Juzang that got the wide open three yeah. uh, from the corner late in the game? Like, yeah. are we going to get – It was Juzang. It was Juzang. I ranted yeah. about that already, Sam. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Are we going to get an over-aggressive Gonzaga situation where they're helping on to the rollers and helping on to the post and then leave these shooters wide open? Or is Gonzaga going to stay at home on the shooters? It's Honestly, it's an incredibly difficult call because if everyday John is playing as well as he is and rolling as hard as he is to the basket, like, I, I feel like you have to at least give him some respect – in some regard, just because he's going to be right I, next to the rim. Like, the, the one oh, thing that Gonzaga, well, I was just going to say, the one thing that Gonzaga did really well today um, was just having Timmy hard hedge and basically uh, blitz the ball handlers and try to get it out of their hands. Um, I don't know if you can necessarily do that against Davion Mitchell uh, without getting Timmy into foul trouble right away. Um, and I also think that that might have just been like a game plan specific thing for UCLA because they're not really a great ball screen team. They're really just trying to get you get, get the matchups they want and get isolations, whether it's Johnny Juzang or or Hawkes or um, Cody Riley in the post. But that was I, that was that was an interesting wrinkle. I didn't I didn't expect Timmy to be blitzing ball screens the way that they did. Yeah, they they had him ruffle. But um, question though, what do you do? You think that this will be that difficult for Baylor? Like as far as like what they're going to do in their, their ball screen offense versus, versus Gonzaga. I feel like seeing Davion Mitchell and seeing Drew Timmy there as a, a as a, as any, in any coverage is like, I feel like Baylor wants that. Or if it's uh, whoever totally. it could be Jared Butler, it could be whoever. I just feel like the guard scenario in comparison to their bigs, like Baylor's bigs can defend it. And if, if uh, everyday John can defend it, then they have vital there to defend it. And they still have time, they have yeah. a lot of people Mayor it can sometimes put us positions, but I feel like on the other end, they don't have that many, they don't have much of a leash when it comes to ball screen coverage, which is why I, I see where you're saying that it's important for uh sucks to make sure he gets back and get into the lane because 
any like any four of the guards that Baylor have, the really good guards, I can't see Drew Timmy stopping them from getting anywhere on the floor in that in their in their coverage. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, kind of what Rob was saying too, you know, one thing that UCLA did in terms of an adjustment was they started using Johnny Juzang as a screener at yeah. times early yeah. in the first half. Yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if Corey Kispert's gonna have to guard one of these four guards, probably. And my guess is what Baylor is going to do is they're going to try and get Kispert in space. They're going to try and get Drew Timmy in space, obviously. And if I was Baylor, I would just keep running Kispert. I would keep running screens with Kispert's guy, and I would force him to defend. And uh, screens though, would you would you do would you would you do screens? Because the I mean I looked at uh Yakez today. He didn't have he didn't need a screen. It was like straight line <laughs> drives. Like they were like oh, yeah. they were. Yeah, they were like there was there wasn't much screen and it was just like you know right what? to left yeah. and straight line drives. You know what? You can run I, slip ex- exchanges. You can do a whole lot of different stuff, but just I'd be running a lot of different uh, ball screen exchange or you know different sort of looks involving Kispert's man where he's coming up and being forced to at least make some sort of communication mm-hmm. uh, defensively to where they have to they have to do something. Because then here's the other thing: when they have to do something. At a certain point, like you just said with with Hakez, whether it be a screen or not, that action alone is going to apply pressure towards the rim. Exactly. And so even if they don't get, even if Baylor doesn't get a great result at the rim, they certainly have the guys from beyond the arc to make Gonzaga pay for that. And what you're going to have to have happen is that puts pressure on Kispert, which then if we're going towards the rim, puts some additional pressure on Timmy, and that might open it up further for Baylor. So I, I think that's a – there's a ton. I, I said this, Sam and Deshaun, I, I said this early in the pod tonight. Like, there is no one that had a better day, besides Jalen Suggs, um, than Scott Drew, who got to sit back after a really non-stress win from tip to buzzer and now gets to watch this game, see these teams go punch for punch in overtime, and really gets a look at, hey, how do I hang in? In the event, in the event that Gonzaga scores 93 points, like they did tonight, like we were saying earlier, if I had told you before the game Gonzaga's going to score 93, anybody would have said, oh, Gonzaga's going to win the game then. UCLA's not going to beat Gonzaga. Well, UCLA put up 90 points. Tonight is just a great blueprint in every way, shape, and form ahead of a national title game. It shows the greatness of Gonzaga. It shows of UCLA. But I think it says to Baylor, here's how we need to go about things on the offensive end of the floor. Because I think people say all the time in this tournament, and rightly so, how is anybody going to keep up with Gonzaga's offense when Gonzaga's offense is churning that well? Well, tonight UCLA gave us a blueprint of how you can do it. See, that's yeah. that's where I actually disagree, Fanta, because I think what um, I think Baylor's going to do what they do. I think UCLA tried to tailor their game plan to trying to slow down Gonzaga, but Baylor's going to be like, "Fuck that!" Like we're we're Baylor, you know. Like we, we if we didn't have a COVID pause, we would be undefeated right now. Um, and I think that they're just going to do what they do, which means they're going to get out and pressure. They're going to attack the offensive glass, and they're going to run. They're not going to be afraid to uh, of Gonzaga's transition game because they're basically going to say, "If we score, you're not going to be able to run on us." So well, Rob, uh, I expect Rob, this game a, to be like in the nineties. Here, here's a good question for you. Do you think Baylor attacks the offensive glass as heavy as they typically do in this game, or do they kind of respect Gonzaga's transition approach a little bit more and maybe send some guys back into transition defense a little bit more? Send three. They're sending three. 
Yeah, I think, <laughs> they, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna do what they do. Um, if they do what they do, I don't know. I I'm not okay. sure if I I don't I'm, I like Gonzaga if Baylor does what they do. I mean that I do. I I do think that they have to adapt some things to beat Gonzaga. I do. Yeah. I think Gonzaga's earned that right. Like that's no, just sure. so maybe agree to disagree on this. I get Gonzaga's f you at or I get Baylor's f you attitude, but like. I do think there's certain things that you don't want to play into Gonzaga's hands. And some of the things Baylor does can play into their hands a little bit. I'm just saying. That's why I say that him sitting here watching the games today, uh, like like you were saying, Fanta, he can't really mimic much of what UCLA did because UCLA, like UCLA, obviously their their two wings are as far as ball dominant and they could score one-on-one, but they also had Cody, uh, Cody Riley also can score the ball in the post and they needed to require a double team as much as I love everyday John. It's going to be almost like Christian Bishop. It's going to be ball screens and rolls to the basket. It's not going to be giving the ball in the block and make him figure it out. It's not going to be that way for Mark Vidal either, or whoever else is going to have played a five. The only other person I would think that can, figure out from the post and he'll probably figure out for more of a jump shot would be mayor. And then after that, it'll be perimeter dominant. And some of those guys in the perimeter, I would think um, Butler, who's a, a hell of a scorer, but also he needs that ball screen because he's not going to just blow by as many people because yeah. uh, athletically. So. Not, I, I guess, I guess heading into Monday, it's not that I'm sitting here and saying Scott Drew needs to do what Mick Cronin did. It's not what yeah, I'm yeah, no, I understand. I was just thinking they don't have the personnel to do it, period. I just feel like they would they would have to do their own thing. Like they would have to play like Baylor because they couldn't even mimic that because they don't have the, the pieces to do so. They just have those guard pieces that are great. Look, look, and this- honestly, like doing what they do, I think is a good matchup for them against Gonzaga. Like I, yeah. I think that they are going to cause Gonzaga problems mm-hmm. on the defensive end. Like their offense, I think, is gonna like wreck to be honest like i think they are going to score points on gonzaga it's just whether or not gonzaga can score enough to keep up and look this is one of the best offenses that i've seen in college basketball gonzaga's offense like i think it's an unbelievable group but i, I don't know like i think that baylor has a good matchup in this yeah game. but really here, here's the thing i i don't think that there is as much as we were just talking and, and raving about everyday john um even Flo Thamba, like I don't think that Baylor has anything close to a good matchup for Timmy. No, like, Timmy, Timmy, might, Timmy might fuck around and get forty. Yeah. And then ask, you, think, you think you think you think everyday John is is good, could give up forty to ten? Did you not I forty? Think, I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. like you think he'd give up a, a good amount? Well, okay, okay, so forty might have been like I, no, no, I not just, forty. I, obviously, I knew what you were saying. It's like you, yeah. you think he can get like fifteen plus. Are you suggesting that Gonzaga may have to slow tempo in this game and keep feeding Timmy? No, 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 no. I think what's going to happen is they're going to run. I think you want to beat beat Baylor's defense down the floor Um, because I think what's going to happen is Baylor's going to send two and three guys to the glass. So anytime that you get a defensive rebound, you're going to be able to like hit an outlet guy and go. You're going to be able to grab and go if you're Joel Ayayi or Andrew Nemhard. You're going to be able to grab and go if you're Jalen Suggs. So I would expect one – Drew Timmy to get at least four to five buckets in transition because he's going to run the floor better than anybody else on the court. I expect him to get at least 15 to 20 post touches. Whether or not he scores all of them, who knows. But I don't think that Baylor has a good option for him. right? I don't think that they have a good answer. Even a guy like Mark Vidal, so much of what he does 
is based off of the the leverage and his ability to kind of uh, wedge you out because he is so low and is so strong. But I don't think that works on Timmy because he's so slippery and he's so good at changing the angle of his seals and changing the angle of his post ups. Like it, it's um, his, his footwork and his understanding of, of how he needs to angle his body to create the the lane for him to get a pass that leads him straight into a layup where all he has to do is catch it and go up. It's I, I don't know if you can teach that. I think that he just he just figured it out and knows how to do it. It's unbelievable I mean, watching him. I think every day, every day, John, I do a good job defensively on Timmy. It's just that he won't be able to make Timmy exert himself defensively. I don't think he'll yeah. be able to get a bucket out of him unless someone else, unless someone else gets him the ball. So at the end of the day, Drew Timmy will win in that regard because he'll have a, a break almost, not to disrespect, uh, not to disrespect every day, but just he'll have a break de- defensively and then be able to just focus offensively on the game. I think yeah, that so Gonzaga will have a hard time guarding their guards, though. Yeah, I, I think the issue with Timmy defensively is going to be what happens. It's just the ball screen stuff, like figuring out how you're going to deal with that. Especially like with the way that Davion has been playing, like out of the ball screens, like you, you can't switch it because you can't stay in front of him for Timmy. Um, it, he's so good at driving right and finding that weak side corner pass. So you can't like string out the the ball screen and and, and hedge and and um. Not hedge and, uh, and and tag with the weak side corner because that's not going to work. He's so good at finding that, that that pass. I wonder if what you do is you tag with the high man, like double team him, tag with the high man, and dare him to throw like the hook pass over his head to the opposite wing. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. He, can do, he can do that yeah. too easily, though. Like, I, I but yeah, you don't get anything I, out I of that. I feel idea. like, yeah, because like, what you're gonna have. So I, I, honestly, their guards. Like, here's the thing. I don't know what you do. Like, I don't know how you stop this Baylor offense. Like, I don't so know. Here, how here would be. How do you stop this Gonzaga yeah. offense? That's a, that's a great question. This is why this no, is no, why no. we're getting over, Fanta. I'll go on record right now. Over. Okay, here's what I'll say. I'm going to say this right now. I thought Baylor was world beaters today and came out and played their best offensive game maybe of, of the tournament. I know that they also scored 81 against Arkansas. They scored 78 today. I just thought from a start of the game perspective, they could not have been firing on all cylinders more offensively than they were against Houston today. I will say this, though. I don't know if and, – and I could be dead wrong about this. I don't know if I – I don't see Baylor's half-court offense being any better than what it was today against Houston on Monday. I mean, I trust them, and I think they they have the ability. Sam, you brought that up. There's no question you like this Baylor offense, and I do too. I'll go on record and say I believe in Mark Few's ability to get Gonzaga to certainly – he's going to motivate this group and say, look, you gave up 90 to UCLA. You play defense like that on Monday, we are going to lose. I expect a better defensive performance by Gonzaga on Monday. I do worry about their ball screen coverage, and I do worry about Baylor's speed. But I just have a gut feeling that that Baylor will not be as effective on the offensive end of the floor as they were tonight, even as they have been their last two games. I still trust Gonzaga more. And I got to say, it sounds like you guys are starting to lean towards Baylor in this national title game. I'm not going there. Well, I'm not, I'm I'm not, I don't no. think Houston is is uh, Gonzaga by any means. But Houston is one, was, excuse me, was one of the best defensive teams, if not the best defensive team in the country. For a good bit, he dropped, he dropped a was because they just lost. That's, so, that's, so RIP Houston. <laughs> but Houston didn't have any problems. Like I, I felt defensively at at a certain point, 
But Gonzaga literally, like, I mean, Houston shot terrible. And sooner or later, they just ran out of gas against Baylor. Like, Baylor shot absolutely unlike unconscious. They're shooting 50% before halftime. They're freaking killing them on the glass. A team that's known for their defense and known for how well they do on rebounds. Baylor has literally beat them at their own game. Granted, that's Baylor's game as well. And if I look at Gonzaga in comparison to Houston, yes, offensively, light year is better than Houston. But their their guards are susceptible to really not be able to stay in front of Baylor's guards. Like there's at, at certain times, like obviously you're going to have to worry about Vital being out there at a four initially. But then if they move Vital to the five and bring Mayer, or if they want to play completely small and bring Flagler, like I really don't see, besides them losing height in a sense, I really don't see how Gonzaga guards their guards. And I so, kind of feel so like Baylor yeah. has a little bit more to bring on the floor than Gonzaga has. Like today, Gonzaga played a lot more of uh, their bench in the first half because they needed to. But I didn't I see most of those guys Gonzaga. in the second half. Like they, they didn't if play. So if you're if you're Gonzaga, you're getting underestimated. I guess like I'm just trying to figure out what I think they're gonna do. Do you try to maybe use Suggs to play denial on Mitchell to try and keep the ball out of his hands, and then play like aggressive, like you know, super hyper aggressive like ball screen coverages and su- like they pulled out that one two two like light press earlier. Do you try and do yeah. that to speed them up? Like I like I think their best chance is to try and force turnovers and to try and get these pick six opportunities that they are really good at creating. And Baylor's been like middle of the pack this year defensively or offensively in terms of turnovers. Like they're okay. They don't necessarily like take care of the ball at an exceptionally high level. But I mean, like, I feel like they're just too athletic. I feel like Baylor's too athletic to do that. Like that's just begging for begging to get beat down the court. Like I, I don't know what Gonzaga is going to do. Like, I think it's a really, really weird matchup for them. And if you took your best player and granted, Davion Mitchell's been playing great, but today what he had 12 points and 11 and seven. Like if you take your best, your best defender and just focus him on Davion Mitchell and just give Jared Butler the reins to just have the ball in his hand. And just, that's what, I mean, that's what Jared Butler has done before. Like he's had the ball in his hands and that's come off ball screens and made plays. So it's like, all right, you're going to try to take Davion Mitchell out by possibly denying him or possibly doing anything else when there's also three other weapons on the court, not counting their bigs. It's just like, I don't, it's like, all right, we'll just stand Davion Mitchell in the corner if we wanted to and just have, and have the same scenario where we can make you guys have to go into the paint, stop the roll, and then go ahead and play the draw. For like or play the 100%. play the shot for Macy Oteague and whoever else is going to be out there, Flagler and these guys. I just I really don't see what I, besides Gonzaga just being amazingly gifted offensively as a team because they're great, but I just don't see what they can do defensively to take Gonzaga or take something away from Gonzaga unless Gonzaga just shoots the ball terrible. So here's here's what, I, here's what I think I would do if I was Gonzaga. Are you got you got Baylor winning this game, Day? Yeah, man. I, 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 I got bail. I, I got, got bail. I know what you guys are doing, but I, I got bail. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of talking myself into Baylor winning this game and I don't yeah. like that's where I'm ending up, but yeah. it's the, the idea of, of Gonzaga being able to get enough stops to win the game. Like, cause, cause my biggest issue is that 
if you can't get stops, you're not going to be able to get out transition. And and where Gonzaga is at their best is that tra- is, is is in the transition game. They're unstoppable if you can let them get out and run. Um, and I think that what Baylor can do defensively can really mess with the things that Gonzaga wants to do in a half court, right? And and when they provide the amount of ball pressure that they have, that's going to make it difficult to get the ball into Timmy. And that where I think you have like the your best advantage is going to be in the post. And so I, I'm just I don't know. I'm I'm worried about it. I'm worried about it. I, I would be very worried about it if I was a Gonzaga fan. I'm going to be fascinated to see what Mark Few decides to do. Yeah, no, I'm I'm kind of with. Baylor. Yeah, I'm excited. I I, I kind of think Baylor has a very real specific matchup like advantage here in a lot of ways with how small they're able to play. Like Adam Flagler is really good. <laughs> no, like really that's a is. real problem. Yeah. Oh, he, a real problem for Gonzaga. Well, Baylor, Baylor has Baylor's one of the few teams that has more guard weapons than Gonzaga. Yeah. yeah. Like, let, alone, like, let alone Baylor's four other guards that are better or three other guards that are better than Adam Flagler. Like it's right, right, right. It's, you know, it's a saying. weird deal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean Look, I, I, uh, I'm gonna pl- I'm gonna pick Gonzaga in this game. I understand the the ideas about Gonzaga's issues with guarding Baylor. Baylor has a matchup that they have more speed there. Um, I guess I'm looking at the way Baylor performed from beyond the three point arc. I don't know if that I don't see the same thing happening on Monday. And I'm gonna trust that Mark Few finds something. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's going under stuff a little bit and and living with certain shots being taken by Baylor. Um, I'm I'm curious to see. Look, to your guys' point, like Drew Timmy, there hasn't been an answer for him, and I don't think Baylor has that answer. So that's why I alluded earlier. Like for me, I understand the whole idea of you want to get up the court against Baylor and keep them out of their half-court defense. But there's also the element of if you know you've got an advantage in the paint with Timmy, you're comfortable. You need to be comfortable, and they should be, and they will be, trying to exploit that when Baylor is in their half-court defense. They've got to hone in on that and keep on giving Timmy touches. Rob Rob threw out the 40 figure, but Rob, we all know you weren't saying he's going to finish with 40 points. We're saying you have to treat it like that in your half-court mm-hmm. approach. Yeah. Yeah, well, listen, all right. I want official picks for every one of them. We're going to get out of here. Day, you got Baylor? Yeah, I got Baylor, bro. I just, I can't, I can't foresee them. If, if Gonzaga starts switching and they get Corey Kispert on the perimeter with Davion Mitchell or Jared Butler or any, I just, I don't foresee it going well. Like, they're not going to go to a mismatch in the post, similar to how, you know, UCLA tried to do tonight or how. I mean, excuse me. Yes, similar to UCLA tried to do tonight. They're going to go and take use their guards to attack the mismatches, similar to how Baylor did against West Virginia and other teams like that. Like they they took the guards they felt or the bigs they felt were mismatches defensively, and they just attacked the basket and went downhill, found other people, found guys on their team, and that's the mismatch uh, that they I feel like Baylor will go to. Sam, where are you at? Um. Yeah. Um. Basically, with everything that Deshaun just said, like <laughs> I feel, uh, look, like I have a nine to one future on Gonzaga, like that I bet in the preseason. So I, I you went, you went either way. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I, I'm as inclined to root for Gonzaga as much as anyone on this one. But 
Yeah, I just think it's a really tough schematic matchup for them unless like the the way the way that I see Gonzaga winning is if they're able to force a lot of turnovers and they're able to uh, take advantage of Baylor crashing three guys to the glass and creating transition opportunities off of missed rebounds uh, mm-hmm. or off of missed shots and defensive rebounds. Do I think that will happen? No, I don't. Unfortunately, um, I, I think that Baylor's offense is going to have a field day. Um, and look, part of this too is like we do. do did Gonzaga play that poorly defensively today? Or did UCLA make like oh, I, I a thought Gonzaga played, I thought they played really, really well defensively and 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 UCLA made the shots that Gonzaga wanted them to take. If you yeah, had Johnny yeah. Juzang pulling up from 15 feet off the dribble with Jalen Suggs getting a hand in his face, that's you live with that shot if you're Mark Few. Yeah, if you had Riley hitting 70, 17 footers, hit like 19 of them, that's the shot that you live with. If you're if you're Mark Few, not to yeah. mention Juzang and 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 Jacquez, like well, how, how big are these guys? Like six 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 seven? Six like six, yeah. like these dudes are like in comparison, like you can see those mid range shots going in because they're looking over the top of a lot of these dudes' heads and shooting them. So Baylor to to even give uh, Fanta and Rob a little uh, love, Baylor their guards are like six one six two a piece. Like so it, they won't have that kind of size advantage over you mm-hmm. know. Uh, uh, Gonzaga's guards, I mean, they're going to be eye to eye with them, and as opposed to UCLA, who could shoot over the top of those guards mid range and get to the basket and then have a little bit more length to finish. So, you know, it's it'll, it'll be interesting. I'm excited to see, but I, I still I got to hold on to the, the Baylor Bears, man. Yeah, I'm with Baylor. Do you have a total yet, Rob? 160. Over. Yeah. <laughs> no, Cameron's over. Man. <laughs> over. Yeah, where are you at? It wasn't even a second <laughs> over points. A lot of points. <laughs> well, the two defendants, I will call them, have put together some, <laughs> absolutely, some absolutely fantastic arguments here. And I have to say, you have been very convincing uh, to this prosecutor on the other side. <laughs> every thought, every I never champion, thought I'd see you on the other side, fan. I never thought I'd see you on the other side. Every champion. Every champion has that moment on their run that makes you say, oh, my God. And this one was the epitome of, oh, my God. I thought Gonzaga was tight at times tonight. Um, I thought there were moments when they didn't look like the full version of themselves. I think the total is absolutely going to go over 160 on this game. With that being said, if Gonzaga finds a way defensively to overcome the Corey Kispert problem of Baylor's four guards on the other side and how the Zeiss are going to be able to defend that. I am riding with the unbeaten Gonzaga Bulldogs in this game. 32-0 becomes a reality, and here's why it becomes a reality. I believe that Jalen Suggs and Davion Mitchell kind of cancel each other out, and for me, Joel Ayayi and Andrew Nemhard combined for 45 points in this game. They both go off, and Gonzaga does enough late in the game with Kimmy creating matchup problems. The Zags find a way. It is a four-point game, nip and tuck. Zags do just enough to win this game. Mark Few does a marvelous coaching job, and I like the Zags in a very tight game. I am taking Gonzaga because of Ayayi and Nemhart. Do you like? Do you guys see what he did right there? He said it's going to be a four-point game, so if uh, if Baylor ends up winning, he can at least say, yeah, pick Baylor to cover. See, I told you. 
Smart. Win win. The man has been doing it for a long time. Veteran of the country for a long time. Um, I'm I'm with you, Fanta. I think that uh, the size that that Gonzaga has on their perimeter um, with their guards will be enough to be able to put uh, Baylor off. I think it's going to come down to um, how many contested threes can will Baylor be able to hit. Uh, And I was uh, a little bit. um, I feel good about what what Baylor can do defensively against Davion and Jared Butler coming off those ball screens after watching them uh, be able to blitz everything that, that UCLA did. So I want to stick with Gonzaga. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I had them, had them after the first game of the season. I'm going to stick with them now. No point in changing it at this point. If they got to the national title game. So uh, I'm just fired up. I'm ready for, I cannot wait for this game. Um, it's the only thing. It's a dream for, for college basketball. After going a year without March Madness and the way the last 13 months has gone, this is the most anticipated national championship game that we've had in quite some time. It's tremendous for the sport. In the midst of chaos in the transfer portal and the coaching carousel revving up, the game on the court is delivering, and then some Monday night is going to be great, great for college hoops. Facts. I can't. We've been waiting on this game for the entire season, Rob. Like This, is actually, this has been like – Literally, this has been the game that's been keeping me in the dumps because I'm like, man, I wish we could have just saw this game during uh, at least during the, uh, the, the conference where they could have scheduled a non-conference game in conference somewhere. I was like, please schedule the game. It never happened. And here we are. We're here. You know what? You know what? How, to, how many? To your point, Deshaun, just, just quickly, Sam, remember four months ago when, when Gonzaga Baylor was canceled, I remember the takes out there because, like, the casual sports fans were entering the fray because it was going to be top two teams in college basketball. And I, I remember seeing all the tweets. I don't know if college basketball can get through this season. It might, they might not make it. Uh, this is, this is really bad for the sport. How are they ever going to get there? Four months to the day, four months to the day that the game got canceled, these two teams are going to play. It's an applause to the kids, the coaches, the NCAA, everybody that's made this. Happen. We all know it's been hard. It's been a bitch to pull off. But man, four months to the day, we always said like Goodman tweeted all season. Scott Drew and Mark Few, give us this game. Guess what, guys? They're giving it there to it us. The title. How, how many awesome. times have you guys broken down this game this year, Rob and Deshaun? Like four? Probably, probably <laughs> even, like 17. Even, even in our own time. Like, it's yeah. just like behind well, the scenes we talked about. Hey, do you think Gonzaga could beat Baylor? Random conversation, just like, yeah. Jeez, well, listen, I cannot wait. This, this has been fun. Um, we will see you guys all again. I'm going to be on the stream again at 9 a.m. tomorrow with Goodman on Easter morning. I get to go see Jeff Goodman at 9 a.m. Happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> oh, There's a place to heaven for you, Rob. There's a place.